This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Serving up the latest in the San Diego culinary world with a pinch of history. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dine Local SD podcast number 16. I'm your host, Kelly Orange, and we are serving up the latest in the San Diego culinary world with a pinch of history. Today, we are talking about the event that um, Specially Produce, in conjunction with Waste Not San Diego, is putting on called um, Wasted, and it's a sustainable cooking and mixology competition where competitors will repurpose an item from their kitchens and turn into bite-sized savory dish, dessert, or cocktail, and the guests get to vote on it. Um, So today, I have to my right here is Brie Young from Closing the Loop. And she is a um, a veteran, full time student, mother of three, and activist. Her and her husband Chris, um, they don't run your average compost and recycling company. <laughs> they have styrofoam eating worms and meat eating flies. Um, we're honored to have partners like these for our wasted event. And um, if you want to start composting your home or restaurant, give them a call. Um, to Breeze Wright, we have David Wait of Wrench and Rodent Seed Bastro Pub. Um, David has been. Um, in the bi- food business for probably most of his life, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, we are really excited to see what he does because he's really um, creative with the food and the different kind of um, usages of things that no- that people don't normally reuse or utilize in their kitchen. So we're really excited to see what he's going to be doing. And then to his right... We have Chuck Samuelson from Kitchens for Good. Kitchens for Good is a nonprofit that provides a 12-week culinary training program for people who face barriers to employment due to former incarceration, homelessness, abuse, or addiction. Welcome, guys. We're really excited to have you guys here and so thankful for your partnership in this event. Um, So I guess let's start with Bree. Can you tell us a little more about um, what you guys do? Yeah. So... We started out as a composting company taking food waste from restaurants about five years ago, and um, that's expanded into a zero-waste company. And so what that means is we're finding any and all ways to divert waste from the landfill. And so we do a full-scale recycling operation, um, biodiesel from kitchen oil. Um, We're trying to green up the grease trap pumping Um, industry with greener products, Um, but we service uh, 80 clients, 80 restaurants in San Diego uh, that are diverting their food waste from the landfill, and then um, that food waste is going to local farmers that uh, get the material that the worms create, the worm casting, with um, they get to use that for free as fertilizer on their farms. Um, in numerous ways, using just a straight worm casting or turning it into a worm tea, which goes a lot farther um, and has a lot more beneficial microbes and bacteria in it. Um, So in a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. We have a slowly growing residential program, um, like living in Oregon, you would get that for, you know, with your your home, you would just, they provide that there as a city service or county service. Yeah. In Washington too. Um, and if you, or you fly into San Francisco airports, it's kind of common. There's 
composting in their airports. Oh, wow. <laughs> it makes you so, super jealous. But um, so it's it's growing here. And it's it's interesting. A lot of our residential clients are from San Francisco. And so that's interesting um, because, you know, we're the only solution. That's cool. But it's also it's kind of strange. And we're not sure what the future of that brings. But um, all of that waste is also going to the farms. So that's what we're doing with it. That's fabulous. So yeah. um, how um, so for the wasted event, we are doing a no no waste event, yeah, which is really interesting because I'm I haven't been to I haven't been to any events like this, so I'm really curious yeah. to see how it works. There's lots of pushback. It's so interesting how um, how customary um, forks and plates are. Right? It sounds weird for me to even say that. Like, <laughs> of course we're going to eat with that stuff, and that's that's fine. Um, it's just that we wanted to be a little bit of extremists. Uh, at least I did. My first couple meetings with Allie and Lauren, I got a lot of pushback, you know, like, oh, we can't use that style of glass or we, the chefs, you know, the mixologist won't feel comfortable like, like, like because it was a reusable wine bottle potentially or, or a glass that had a, a blemish or something, but it was saved from the landfill. Somehow that was going to impact the beauty of what they were able to create, because I think we connect recycling and on in the waste stream with just trash and something that's discarded and no longer useful. And so I had to challenge them and they're thinking a little bit and they came back to me later and had decided, you know, that, that the no forks and the no plates made sense. And it makes sense because it forced us to ask our competitors to be innovative and when we're creating so much waste at massive events, it's interesting to look at what we can do to eliminate the waste. What you know, what kind of handheld foods make sense that are still you know um, exciting and delicious for our guests because that's the most important thing. But do we need all the plastic spoons, or is there another way we could serve this um, this cold gazpacho and in, in a reusable something that could maybe go to the compost pile instead or be eaten with the food? Um, which, you know, this guy is right. <laughs> all about and, and a pro at, and it's beautiful. Um, and so it's nice that there's a goodness that comes out of being responsible, that you can actually use it to your advantage to be creative. Because a lot of the time it's that I don't want to talk about that subject. And I kind of, you know, Allie and I met and creatively we were both on the same page with it. Like, this has got to be cool because there's such a, a taboo about waste. And we were both looking at each other going, it's actually fantastic once you really get into it. Right. And so we're hoping that this event, and when we had first talked about it, that it would be something that would inspire people to want to get more into instead of it being so taboo. Right. Yeah. So Ali, Ali Tarantino is um, one of my coworkers here, and she is the one who um, kind of had, was the brainchild of the Waste Not San Diego program that we have here um, at Specialty Produce, and that started, um, I think it was maybe six, seven months ago. She realized that um, that we have a, an avenue here at Specialty Produce because we're already delivering to these restaurants, um, and a lot of them have prepared food that is going to waste. Um, and so we partnered with the San Diego Food Bank, and they um, they gave us a list of their um, feeding agencies that they had vetted. And so we created a program within our system that 
um, was really, really, actually really easy to implement that allowed us to uh, give the restaurants that signed up a a box with um, trays and they were able to just put their, you know, their food at the end of the day that was prepared and fully edible and delicious. Um, and, and they were able to put it in their walk-in. We'd come the next morning when we dropped off the produce, picked up the food, and then um, each feeding agency had a specific day and they were just emailed. And so they would come in the next morning and pick it up and they were able to serve it to their constituents. So, so beautiful. Um, it's been a really interesting um, and fun uh, challenge for us to work on that. And so that is where – that is the um, the beginning of what came of Wasted. So Ali, she decided she wanted to do an event to create more awareness with the public um, and what restaurants were already doing this, you know, on their own um, to create, you know, um, a way for this – the food waste to be lowered um, and to be fully utilized for all the nutrients and the flavors that it already has and not go into the landfill. Or even be composted because be it's composted. still edible food. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did how did you get into this? What was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I got a a small degree um, in urban farming when I was still in the military, and uh, I it was urban farming and, and holistic nutrition. <laughs> so um, I built my first chicken coop with Chris you know, in, in my backyard of my home there in Yuma, Arizona, where I was stationed at the time, and uh, did my first above-ground bed. And, and you know, I was, I was almost all the way through the course, and I started doing the composting. I finally took to it. And, and once I started pulling my food, putting my food somewhere else other than into the trash, it immediately dawned on me, oh, my God, I've been doing this my entire life. Everything changed in that moment because I went to the backyard, I put it there, and I didn't believe anything good was going to come out of that. I was like, this is going to smell awful. This is going to have pests and all these issues. And I was just going with what the professors were saying, you know, to do. I put the brown in there and the green, and I was like walking away going, yeah, right. And um, I got some chickens and stuff, and I just kind of left it sitting there, and I'd turn it every once in a while, and... Eventually, it started to smell like the forest floor. And, you know, everybody says that. But at the time, I had no real concept of of what that really meant. I'd never been to the forest before, you know, like smelling the dirt, because why would I do that? And then I went, and then it really dawned on me, okay, the food turns back into earth, and the earth produces the food. Mind blown, right? (laughs) Aha moment. (laughs) And that's why... I, I do this because every single time I'm explaining that to people, they're before my aha and they think that it's cool, but I get to meet them where they're at again. And if I can push and, and educate and inspire people, eventually they'll all get there and they'll all try it because it's good for the future. And there's a lot of parents that I know and I talk to and they're worried about this stuff and they want something to do. And your whole life changes when you start composting. Because you just get little things all of a sudden, like, wow, look at <laughs> look at this little tiny thing that I'm able to do that has this massive impact. And you learn about carbon sequestration in soil. And then you're like, oh, I'm doing that in my backyard now. That's really great. And I'm pulling stuff from the landfill, which is reducing methane emissions. And you're you're contributing to climate change. And there's so it's it's such a simple act, it seems, but the the profound impact it had on my life spending 24 years 
which is when I started that, and, and then just dawning on me, oh, okay, life is something a little bit more special and connected than I ever thought. And then I was desperate to stop it from happening. And I and I and then I met Chris, and he had already started closing the loop. Um, and so the universe aligned us in that way, I guess you could say. And I was so grateful. And now it's like a mission: get everything out of the landfill, and we got to retrain that the produce and the growing and the nutrients and all of that is really, really important. And and it. You know, we started it before I think climate change got super duper popular, you know, and, and gardening and all. It seems that the green movement is getting huge and big business is really latching on to that. Um, but before all that, and, and when we could only charge $5 to come and pick it up and we were losing money, um, it's, it's good to be in business now. And, but it, that's a great thing yeah. because it means that lots of people are wanting to do the right thing and the light bulbs are going on. Right. So, yeah. So where can people find uh, more information about your business? So closingtheloopsd.com. You can check out all of our services there. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Both just look for Closing the Loop. Um, And uh, we also have a brick-and-mortar location. Uh, Lots of really exciting things going on right now. I'm starting a a spent brewery grain cooperative where I'm going to be connecting the brewers to farmers that are in need, backyard gardeners that are in need, and I'm getting a product tested um, that's kind of commonly known as Bokashi, the lactobacillus fermentation um, that's used for a composting method. I'm getting it tested for nutrient value for feed for animals because my chickens actually really like it, and I'm wondering if, if the beneficial bacteria is actually um, you know, good for them and increasing the nutrient availability to the animal um, because we have <laughs> how many breweries here? Uh, uh, I don't even know. Just beyond like 143. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Check nose. <laughs> so those 143 breweries, um, you know, some of them are, are able to get rid of the grain and a lot of them are sending it to the landfill. So we just need to go ahead and close that gap because um, how many farmers, you know, are buying in commercial grain and could, could use mm-hmm. a little bit of help with their overhead. So there's lots of cool things that we got going on right now. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. So closingtheloopsd.com. You can go check out the different um, programs that they offer. And can people visit you at your brick and mortar? Or are you? Yeah. Yeah. Then come check yeah, it out. Yeah. I, uh, I have vermiculture at the warehouse there on Rigel Street. Um, the vermicomposting is going on at the farms. Vermiculture means it's I, I'm breeding worms there. Ooh. So I'm really happy to show anybody my worms. <laughs> I will be really, really excited to to do that. I get I nerd out really hard. So, um, and we also have the styrofoam eating worms, the meal worms. There, you can come see my big display, oh, wow. and they're going crazy. It's really cool. This is a picture of uh, the black soldier fly larva down at the farm. There was a hefty amount of meat in one area, and the black soldier fly really liked the fats, um, um, the lipids, and the and the amino acids in the meat is is what they crave. So this is a large population of about one week old larva. Um, they're 40% protein and they don't require any additional water to grow. So the benefit to that is creating an animal feed from bugs that are eating trash um, that's being pulled from the landfill. One, reducing methane pulling from the landfill. Two, reducing 
the 25 to 35% that California of water that California uses to grow grain to feed animals. So how do we reduce that by combining those two things and um, really giving a swift kick to, to climate change on twofold. Um, and so that's, that's the, another long-term <laughs> goal that we have going on with some more bugs. It always seems to come down to bugs with us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. Yeah. And kind of, I like how you say warning, <laughs> maybe disturbing. I posted it at about seven thirty. I was super pumped that morning and I was like, Oh, I'm so into this today. Yeah. <laughs> I was like getting my Facebook on. And so I was like, well, I don't, you know, some people have queasy stomachs. I'm, I was like, you know, knee deep and I'm like smelling some watermelon off in the distance and, you know, I can still go eat a, a sandwich and be fine. But yeah. I know that it's not for everybody. Well, I think too, if you're, yeah, if you're looking at it as a product and as a solution to something you're, and you know, like, well, the doing something, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. just gross. You, know? you got, yeah, That's you get beyond the gross either, factor. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see how the 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 no waste event works, and uh, it's going to be re- a really interesting event. So, um, if you guys haven't haven't checked it out yet, you can go to wastedsd.com, um, and it it sh- you should be able to buy tickets there. We're about halfway sold out. Uh, possibly more now. It's August twenty third, two thousand seventeen, um, from seven p.m. to ten p.m. So it's gonna be I'm so gonna, cool. Yeah, and it's at Brick in Liberty Station. Uh, tickets are only fifty dollars, so it's super affordable. Um, and there's quite a few uh, restaurants participating. Um, one of which is uh, Dave and Waits um, Ranch and Rodent, um, which is always a really fun trip up to in Oceanside. Um, Every time I go, I I sit at the counter and just let David make me whatever he wants. So, you know, it's kind of like watching just an artist work. So, um, welcome, David. <laughs> um, so you you have been up in that space. How long has Ranch and Rodent been open? Uh, four years. Four years, and you're just continuously, you know, changing with you know the what you're serving and you know. Doing what comes, whatever comes to mind, whatever you're having fun. Yeah, having fun. It's it is really interesting the different flavors you come up with. Um, and I know that I had something that was, had banana peel. Oh yeah. <laughs> so how are you currently using um, things that I guess normally I don't know how to say that. You know, oftentimes would be thrown out like banana peels. People don't think of that as something that's edible. It's so cool that you're not calling it the T word. You know, like. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it, it's not the T word. Yeah, no, it's all good food. It just Correct. and uh, we just you know might not. There may be taboos in this culture, but it doesn't mean that other cultures aren't doing fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, and right now the the banana peel tacos has has been a fun one. And it's just a constant like you know it's so beaten into us by society today that this goes in the trash, that goes in the trash. Sorry, I said the T word. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, it, it, it's almost like a uh, reflex action that, like, we, we do the best we can. We, you know, I'll be the first to say we could do better, but I'm always catching myself with that reflex action. It's like, you got to take it and kind of you know, set it down in the front and stare at it until you figure out something to do with it. Um, and uh, 
you know, for us, it's like, um, and we, we have a lot of fun with that. That's definitely one of the things that I get most excited about just because I don't think we're in any place to be wasting food with all of the, uh, issues with hunger going on on the whole planet. Um, so it's kind of a social response, especially if we're the lucky ones who know where our meal's coming from. And in, in our case, we handle other people's meals. So we've got so much food passed through our hands. It's, you know, it's, uh, we have a responsibility to the plants and animals that gave their lives to the, you know, people who spend money at our place. They should be able to spend money knowing that we're going to do the right thing with it. And just all, all down the list. Um, we're just constantly trying to figure out, you know, looking to other cultures, um, playing with different things, and just trying to figure out how to, because it's all good food. It just, we haven't figured out how to make it taste good yet. Right. Util- yeah. Utilizing every every piece, but it takes, a, I think it takes a while to figure out what flavors go together and, and how to present something so it's not... Um, as intimidating, because I know I've had, you know, up there I've had a shot of, I think it was yellowtail marrow, and that's, you know, not something wow. that you can, you can, I don't know that many places would even, you know, serve that. Maybe, like, the chefs and, and cooks would eat it, you know, like, in the back, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't think many places are serving that, you know, um, that I know of. Um, but it's always really interesting. So how are you... Um, how do you prepare the banana peel tacos? I know, and I was actually talking to Bob Harrington, the owner of Specialty Products, about this, and he's like, he's like, I always thought those were poisonous. He's like, I learned something new today. So it's so funny. Like a lot of the things that we throw away and shouldn't, there's an old wives' tale that accompanies it to make us feel better about what we're doing, right? And who knows where they came from? But like, I, as I go through, and I, I mean, I look at. You know, and I test this stuff out on myself. I'm not going to go try to find something new and get hundreds of people sick, you know, yeah. because I didn't want to throw something away or I saw the beauty in something that other people didn't, you know. Um, but the bananas, it's it's pretty simple. As long as you take it past 45 minutes of simmering it, the bitterness goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, I do suggest organic bananas just because, you know, you want to wash them just because the skin – on the outside, it's skin, so it's pretty resistant to things, um, like most skin is. On the inside, it, it's kind of it'll absorb things. Um, so if you if you're going with organic, just like with everything, though, um, you know you don't don't have to worry about whatever they might have uh, sprayed on the banana peels. Um, but um, it'll, you know, like people say, tofu takes on the flavor of whatever it's with, but really, tofu is kind of like a brick, yeah. and it sits in the flavor of whatever it's with the banana peels will take on doesn't mean i don't still love tofu we use lots of tofu but like you know other than like a slow like really low bake you know trying to get tofu to suck stuff up you got to work at it you know with the banana peels you know cook it long enough for that bitterness to go away and it's kind of it could be the next unmeat because it really likes to drink whatever you cook it in and it actually you know so you know any I, I, i kind of went at it just in the beginning, like, you know, what, you know, I, I love those, um, the tamales with the banana leaves and, or yeah, the banana leaves instead of the corn husks mm-hmm. and that kind of cool smoky flavor that it goes with. So the first thing was, it was simple just as a test. I had the porcotta bottom broth from, um, the wet noodle 
and we simmered it in that. And then it was like, okay, let's take this back. Let's try to replicate the pig but keep it vegan so that other people can eat it. Because being an unmeat, it just, I don't know, it kind of blew the door open to uh, keeping it vegan so that keeping it vegan but making it taste enough like meat so a meat eater could not feel like they were missing out on something by eating something that was vegan. Um, so that was kind of how that came about. But I'm still playing with other uh, – we've um, candied it before. Um, it's it's just crazy. I mean I haven't even be- begun to figure out all the things I can do with it. But I was just hoping like it's this thing that hopefully people see it and play around with it on their own and all sorts of crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Does it have that the a similar texture to me when you cook it or is it the – if you shred like it onion. right, it could it could be almost like pulled pork oh, with cool. a little wow. less chew. But then okay. that's another you can kind of you can kind of mess with it in different ways. You know, if you want to keep it kind of stewed down, or if you want to try to crispy it back up. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of levels that you yeah. can bring it to. That's really fun. Um, do you know what you're gonna be creating for the event yet, or is that still? Don't they have to keep that a secret? I don't know, Ali Rizali. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe, yeah, maybe that's secret. Maybe I should uh, keep yeah. that one to yourself. <laughs> Something amazing. Yeah. So um, hopefully. Yeah, right. Uh, you talked about the wet noodle a little bit. That's your next door. Yeah. So that's your ramen. Yeah. It's place. kind of what Ranch and Roden is to sushi, the wet noodle is to, to ramen. Oh my gosh, my heart's fluttering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really fun going up there. You can. You have to go through one to get to the other. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Of course it does, and I'm inside, you know? (laughs) That's the fun of it. Um, So maybe, uh, could you give us a little of the uh, background of how you got into cooking? Your family was, Um, has always been in it? Well, dad's a doctor in chemistry. Mm. And, uh, I mean, cooking, but he always cooked. Like, that was the thing. And my aunt had a pub in England. And, I mean, it wasn't like Michelin stars, but it was a damn good grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. And I mean, my brother and me were like, as long as we can, like, we'd do Christmas in the summertime in England because yeah, that was when we were over there. And that's, you know, got to get Christmas out of the way. So we'd upstairs in this pub and stuff. So we've always been around food. Dad always cooked amazing curries and Indian food. And it's just always into cooking. Um, but, you know, back then... Your average middle class kid doesn't look his parents in the face, you know, and say, "Hey, I want to go be a cook," because it it really wasn't, you know. It's like, and there's nothing but love there. But you know, you go to college, you get a degree, and you do something that you're actually going to make money at. Right. And that was the, um, you know, the so, so it was a little bit of a, a fight, even though they've been super supportive all the way, and they're the ones that gave me the sickness to cook in the first place, <laughs> you know. And the food sickness. waste thing, they're like, you know, Dad's family. They grew up in London right after the war. Um, moved out to Essex like a lot of people did after London kind of got bombed out. So they grew up with nothing and they see the value in everything. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you might be able to get away with like slipping an F-bomb at the dinner table and not getting too much trouble. But if you wasted if you wasted food, it was like, you know. Yeah. So I think deal. we're always just like taught to respect that. But um, you know, I kind of made it about halfway through college. But right out of high school, I applied at a Japanese restaurant. Somebody must have just quit or something, you know, they must've really needed somebody because they hired me on the spot. And I was, you know, I mean, I wasn't the best behaved teenager, (laughs) 
But that was, and I loved it. There was no, you know, I mean, I was just kind of fooling myself thinking that I could go to college and do anything else. And yeah, it probably would have been an easier, easier life, but I definitely feel that doing this is a lot more rewarding. And, you know, like I, I kind of get antsy in the second week of a two week vacation and I'm ready to come back to work. Yeah. That's not BS. That's I, I mean, it's a total way. sickness, but you know, I mean, how lucky am I that I get to do that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You get to be, you get to go to work and not feel like you're just slaving away at something else. Like you're doing, you're making people happy. You're making yourself happy. <laughs> like yeah. if you're on vacation, you're, you created a life. You don't have to be a vacation. It's too from. stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the, exactly. <laughs> Most of the time, we're cooking for friends and, and family right. up there, so it's definitely really lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. So, so from that Japanese restaurant, is that how you were really introduced to sushi and fresh yeah. fish? And you were, did you just fall in love with it, or that was really brief? That was in Carlsbad, and then I moved up to Santa Barbara because um, a, a whole bunch of us went up there to go to college. Um, for me, tried to go to college, um, and I got a job up at uh, Ichiban up there. And the guy that trained me was—he was from Hokkaido, which kind of explains why I've been a little different than the other Japanese cooks, you know, because it was lots of pickles and stuff like that, you know, way colder climate. And mm. I think he just wanted to get off that island, so he hopped on a cruise ship and, and learned how to cook. Being on a cruise ship, he had to be kind of multi-talented, so he'd go be the sushi chef one night and cook Italian food, then cook French food. So, I mean, he, he trained me on, on sushi, but kind of picked up on this other talent that he had and how he was mixing things up a little bit. So if I did all his dirty work and then went and bought whatever he told me, there's like a Lazy Acres across the street from the restaurant. He'd give me a shopping list. I'd go buy it with tips. And on the breaks in between the, the lunch and uh, dinner shift, he'd teach me how to cook all the other stuff. So I just yeah. really kind of scored with him. And then it was up there about two years when I came back, it was uh, Cafe Japango. I just, you know, I, I'd had, like, the introductory training. And, you know, that place back then, you know, I could – because it's all about practice, how many times you repeat a task and, like, just perfecting it. It's like you look at an average sushi bar, even Wrench and Rodent, and, and we're, we're fairly busy. You know, we might go through two, two-and-a-half yellowtail a day, um, you know, maybe one tuna every two or three days. Cafe Japango is, like, 70 pounds of tuna a day. Six yellowtail, three albacore, four salmon. And it was just, you know, to get your hands on that much product. And, I mean, it, it was like kind of like boot camp, like accelerated practice. And then after boot camp was over, you know, I kind of stayed for another couple of years. And it was a great place to work. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much – and just loved it every minute of it, you know. Yeah, so you took in a lot of, a lot of different um, ways of creating food with – with one of your first mentors, I would guess I would, would you say, call him a mentor? Yeah. Or like, yeah. He showed you a lot of different things on your breaks. I like that, you know, where you get into, this is your main bit, your main job, you know, but please show me how to do this, you know. Because um, I see you, you bring a lot of different creative ways of doing things to your sushi and your plates, and it's not all just about sushi. Yeah. You know, you have... Yellowtail collars and um, you know a lot of a lot of different. Th- I mean, banana tacos. Yeah, you know, that's, like, that's not sushi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's really it's it's really fun to go to a sushi place and 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 for me, bring my friends there and kind of wow them with 
was something they weren't ever expecting to see. Um, and the things that you, the different things that you do with vegetables are, is really um, mind blowing too, you know, to see the creativity in there. Um, and it's really fun to see, you know, to see my, to see my friends, you know, cause I've, I've been worked for, especially and I've seen like a lot of things, but like I, I con me constantly when I come there, I'm just like, just never would have, I couldn't order, you know, like I couldn't order that off a, off a menu. So I love that. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship because I come in here and I'm I, every time I come here, I see something I've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that. So and it used to be like when you're younger, you kind of want to think, you know, everything, you know, yeah. and then like I've got a little older and it's like, dude, I'm still a line cook at heart and I just kind of want to stay that way. Yeah. But I come in here and like, what is this? Right. What do you do with it? You know? Okay. I Can I take that? I got to figure out how to make it taste good. You know, like it, it keeps it. I mean, the job never gets old, you know? Right. Kind of get to be a kid and play. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Which is super fun. Yeah. After 10 years of working here, I'm still... Every 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 new season, I'm surprised by the things that come in from the farmers market truck. The farmers are so creative, you know, and what they're bringing into us. Um, and it's really really fun to track that from the farms to the restaurants to the plate um, and back again. So, um, yeah, it's really amazing. I can't wait to see what you come up with at the event. <laughs> I'm really excited to see all the the restaurants. Oh. Allie, so we got a we got a message from Allie. She said we can share the menu. So I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't <laughs> have something you're preparing yet. But I was probably going to do the banana peels. Yeah, I don't. I'm still kind of up in the air. And I, sometimes I just get distracted at the last minute and redo it all day. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> I'm kind of like that. Where at the end of you know when I would anytime I'd be writing a. A paper in school or anything like that. I need that like real crazy pressure. Yeah. Where it's like I don't know, I have a ten page paper. I but I got to write it five hours. I'm gonna stay up all night. <laughs> Ad adren adrenaline is def yeah. definitely the best drug out there. Yeah, for know. sure. All right, so um, and we have Chuck Samuelson here, the founder and president of Kitchens for Good. Um, Kitchens for Good is our beneficiary uh, for the Wasted event. Yay. Yeah, so maybe um, <laughs> you founded this company. Um, maybe can you tell us a little backstory and, and how it came to be? Yeah, so um, I've spent my whole life in hospitality, started washing dishes when I was 13, and um, got to this stage in my career and something that had been for the last couple of decades, always in the back of my mind was how much we waste in hospitality. And, uh, and then you start looking at the food system and how much we waste through the entire food system in America. I mean, you know, um, by some estimates, 40% of everything we grow. So you think of all that land being used and all that water going to waste and, and all that commercial fertilizer and all that labor and, and you waste 40% of it. It's just – it's mind-boggling. And at the same time, one in five to one in seven Americans are food insecure. And to be very specific, that doesn't mean they go to bed hungry every night. That means at some point in the preceding 30 days, they didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And that means parents not eating so their kids can eat or grandmothers um, foregoing their medication so their family can eat. I mean, we make really horrible choices in, in America around food and the kinds of food we we eat um, because of of the 
economics of America these days. And so this this wasted food and hungry people had been in my mind um, for a long, long time. And uh, uh, so four years ago, um, I left the, the the last job I had with the idea that I was going to find a way to to rescue food and feed hung, hungry people. And so that was the big idea behind Kitchens for Good. And so the first thing I started doing was was talking to people in in the hungry relief world and what their biggest challenges were and and this idea of mine and and uh, um, people were very receptive to the idea of of rescuing food and feeding the hungry, specifically if we could do healthy, locally sourced product um, and make it accessible to to the people who need it, you know, rather than saying, hey, we're doing a food distribution, it's at one o'clock in this place and and figure out how you leave your job and find transportation and get there, but how we make it really accessible to the people who need it. So that was the big idea um, originally. And as we started exploring this more and more, um, what, what hunger in America really comes down to is um, – uh, economics. It's lack of economic opportunity. It's um, a um, it's a minimum wage that hasn't gone up for all intents and purposes in decades. Um, adjusted for inflation, the minimum wage hasn't gone up some ridiculous um, time frame like 1978. You know, um, and so those are the things that cause hunger in in America, and so. The big idea that we could use rescued food to to, to um, ease hunger in our community um, then got layered onto the fact that if we're really going to to change the way people address hunger and poverty in our community, we had to give them access to good-paying jobs. And since I grew up as a dishwasher, cook, chef, restaurateur, consultant, all of those things, I knew that it had to be about the hospitality industry. And so we um, started a culinary job training school. And in our school, our students take rescued food and make meals for the hungry, for hunger relief agencies. And so currently this summer we're distributing about, uh, or or our partners are distributing about 1,200 meals a week. Um, We're looking to do a new facility in San Marcos in addition to our current facility where we'll be able to go from around 1,000 meals a week to 5,000 meals a week, again, through Hunger Relief Partners using rescued product. Um, so that was the, the the big idea, and that's what we do. Having been a businessman all my life, I knew that, the, that our model had to be sustainable too, and so we do food rescue. We do meals for the hungry. And then the flip side of that coin is we do business. So we run a catering and events company, and we do contract meals for uh, for seniors for um, three communities in San Diego. We do Encinitas in San Marcos and Vista. We do the meals Monday through Friday at their senior centers. And so this whole idea for us about sustainability sort of fits into the entire narrative about about food waste. And the thing about food waste is it's not food waste until we actually throw it away. And so I love what Davin does every day is that, you know what, there's a better and higher use for that, for that thing. And so that's a lot of what we try to address all the time is that stuff that would normally go into the landfill because it's ugly produce or it's, or it's right at, at what, the, um, what I love to call the grocery industrial um, complex calls its expiration date. You know, I mean, if you've ever volunteered in a food bank, you know that those expiration dates are mostly fantasy. And so um, if you can get that food 
right at its expiration date, you can still do valuable things with it. You can, and so for us, the, the big idea was, well, there are food banks doing distribution. There's, there's soup pantries. There's, there's kitchens. There's all kinds of stuff trying to distribute this stuff in a very rushed fashion. We've got to get it now. It's, it's going to expire. We've got to hurry up and, and get this out to somebody. Oh, wait, hold a second. The whole idea about cooking is, is to be able to, to create products that are served at their peak. And so if you've got squishy tomatoes, you don't throw them away. You make tomato sauce. Well, in America, we just throw them away. Well, at Kitchens for Good, we make tomato sauce. And so that's the big idea. Just, just don't waste stuff and, and don't waste anything. Don't waste food. Um, don't waste partnerships. You know, don't waste connections. Don't waste people. And a lot of our students, um, for, for the way society looks at them, is they're disposable. They're, they're easily wasted because they made a mistake at some point. So they, you know, they, they, they did something wrong, went to prison. Well, they served their time, and now they're out of prison, and, and they deserve a second chance, and no one will hire them. Well, when they go through our program, people will give them a chance. And foster youth, you know, they get out of the foster system, and it's like, okay, you're done. You're 18. You're out. Bye. Good See luck, ya. Yeah. Good luck. And uh, that's called the street. Good luck out there. And so um, there are more and more organizations now that are taking in foster youth when they when they transition out of foster care. We partner with those organizations that go through our program. And at the end of the the twelve week um, culinary program, we do we have a hundred percent employment. Every one of our students gets a job. And 90 days later, 90 plus percent of them are still employed, and most of them have gotten a raise by that point. Um, and so um, we have a phenomenal team in, in, our, in our programs team that is doing great work with our students. And we teach them, we like to say, knife skills and life skills. So we teach them all that other stuff, you know, because, you know, Davin wants somebody to show up in his kitchen on time with a good attitude, and he'll teach them what to do. All right? Give me a great attitude. I'll teach you the job. Um, yeah. so, so that's what we focus on. So we, we do all of that um, life skills stuff, too. So that's kind of who we are and what we're about. Fantastic. Yeah. So um, you do, you have, uh, I was reading the community cooking days. Yeah. So we started a, a couple of months ago. Every Monday night we do community cooking days. So you can sign up on on our website and come in and you actually get to make meals for hunger relief um, agencies for some of our partners. So that's an awesome, awesome thing that we do. Do you have to have uh, any culinary background or is it just a volunteership? Totally volunteer in, in, thing. In, in, in. And we have volunteer leads and we have chefs. And, and one of the cool things is that our former students come back and lead these too with, with our volunteer leads. And so it's, it's um, really organic in the way, in the way it works and, and all the people involved. Awesome. Yeah. I've seen, uh, cause I've seen Allie, Come in and and do it uh, with Lauren, I think, and then with Jacob, who works at um, Ceviche House. I know they've come in. And yeah, we've and had a ton of people stuff. come in so far. It's yeah. it's really the pretty fun fun deal. That's great. Um, so for the event, um, each it says each chef will be partnered with a Kitchens for Good student for the event. Yeah, so we're actually um, here's a date of, of note. August third, we're having our class seven graduation at our at our space. Um, starts at about eleven. We call it a short ceremony and a long lunch. And so we do the graduation ceremony, and then the students have designed a menu that we serve for lunch that day. 
And so that's August 11th. Mark your calendars for that. So that's really cool. So to date, we've graduated um, over 100 students. And so our alumni and current students will be available to work with the chefs for the Wasted event. We're really excited about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it just fits everything we do. And then to partner with, with all these people, you know, I've heard a sort of a common theme here, and it's about collaboration, yeah. and it's about um, teaching and, and learning. And so every time we do something like this, we learn something. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knew? Banana peel tacos? Who knew? Right? <laughs> and and then it's also our chance to to teach about what we can what we do and um and the benefits of our program and and the the, the amazing students that, that graduate from our program. Yeah, it's really fun. So uh the way the event's gonna be structured is that instead of having tables where um We'll have our partners and, you know, our educational portion of the event. We, because when you stand at a table, you can kind of have that barrier of a table in between somebody who's, who's more interested, interested in, the, in what's, you know, what that uh, person is providing. Um, but if you get rid of that table and you, we're going to have people walking around that have giant buttons on that so you can have a more like personal experience with people. So um, I know we'll have some kitchens for good and you, are you and Chris both coming? You can have some other people. Yeah, I'm bringing maybe just one staff member, but um, I, I'll wear a big button. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and talk to lots of people about trash. We and bugs. our hashtag is talk trash to me. So <laughs> I walk around Come in on. town with my uniform on all the time, and no one really ever says much. But we we're trying to change that. Maybe yeah. this event they'll start asking. Questions. I hope so. I think a lot of people. Um, I know sometimes a little more. I'm a little more intro, introverted, which a lot of people don't get because I do things like this. But <laughs> being at like events like that, I have a hard time going up and talking to people that I don't know. Um, so I I challenge everybody out there who's going to the event to go up and talk to, to somebody that they they don't know and maybe learn something that they then come away with something that they can um, either help somebody else with or that they can take home and utilize in their own kitchens and homes um, and share with their friends. Um, oh, yeah. Go up to a stranger and talk trash to them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole goal here and getting wasted. <laughs> yeah. Get wasted and talk trash. This is what we really um, We got to use these here. catch words to get, you know, to get people to come in and right. hang out with us. Oh, man. Okay, so you guys can all go to wastedsd.com, and you can see the competitors. You can see who sponsored us. um, You can see a little bit more about the event. um, But we have quite a few competitors. There's savory. There's pastry. There's mixology. um, So all these things are going to be really fun to explore at the event. Um, It's it's only fifty bucks a ticket. I think that's pretty affordable um, these days in what you're going to get back. So thank you guys so much for coming in. Uh, maybe Chuck, can you tell us where people can find more information about your programs? Yeah, our website, um, um, kitchensforgood.org, um, and everything's on there. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, you guys on the screen can see it right there too. And then David, um, where can people find more information? Um, Sebastropub.com. And you're located in Oceanside on what street? It's the main uh, drag. Pretty much the corner of Coast Highway in Cassidy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Go in, check them out. Um, and then Bree, closingtheloop.com? Closingtheloopsd.com. SD, closingtheloopsd. Yeah. Start composting at home. Yeah. It's easy. Just give me a call. Yeah, do it. 
Um, and then wastedsd.com. And then you guys can also find um, more information at dinelocalsd.com um, as well as Instagram at dinelocalsd.com. And then we also have wastenotsd.com where you can see um, a little bit more about our food rescue program with our restaurants um, and what we're doing in-house. Um, on top of that, we we also do, um, which I guess we could kind of put in the Waste Not SD part, um, we have blue, little blue bins, or they're not little, big blue bins here that we've collected food in for the past, I want to say, five or six years that we, that is that, you know, produce that has kind of gone to that expiration point of being able to sell. Um, and we take those blue bins, our, one of our farmers comes and feeds them to his pig. So um, we're really proud of the fact that we have very low turnover waste here. Um, it's kind of a great, great thing to reflect on and be able to see um, how that happens here. So thank you guys all for tuning in, and um, we'll see you next time. 